last video, I just realized. Oh, no, really? <laughs> no, it's on here. We're okay. Oh, go. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> take two. You. This is take this is, two. This is take two. But before Tracy starts, I just want to say that um, we had internet issues. Um, we're in Liza. She's <laughs> running through the house. Put some pants on. This is the funniest show that we've ever done. This is a comedy. Tracy is a comedy writer. This is Tracy Newman. Anyway, this is take two because uh, we lost the internet connection. It's a crazy weather day in LA. We're starting Because over. it's raining. I, I, <laughs> I know it's raining. So, so this is Game Changers with me, Vicki Abelson. This is Tracy Newman. Tracy's going to play a different song to start this show. I'm going to start this with, with my carpool song, which uh, I wrote it about driving my daughter Charlotte. Uh, in a carpool, and um, can I say a little story before? Sure, sure yeah, thing? tell a story. You can when do I was, more. I just want to tell you what kind of teenager I was. When I okay. was 16, I was uh, in the kitchen with my mother, and she was very excited telling me all about this new job she had, and she was very passionate about it, and I sat there thinking, why is she telling me this? <laughs> Her life is over. Oh. She was 36. <laughs> So, this is about my daughter, Charlotte. Sell it, we gotta get the people back. <laughs> I hate this school, it's a 40 minute drive. Why couldn't she go to the school nearby? I'm starving, why didn't I bring something to eat? Why did I wear shorts? I'm... I'm <laughs> I'm sticking to the seat. There's the volunteer security guard. She's gonna. I can't. I can't remember this. No, come on, try. Oh God. She's gonna. Yeah. Make everyone move their cars. Why did I ever have a child? <laughs> If you're gonna break away 
prisoner of love. They knock you out. They fill up your heart. They're your everything. Your shining stars. You very well. I can't even get on on the iPad. Oh, so, so, so I don't know what's going on, but we are live. We do have a few people have we rejoined go to your us. House? We, we should have done it in my, I told you we should have done it in my house. We should do it in your car. We should go get in your car and do it in your <laughs> we could go do it in, We could go do it at Starbucks. Um, so for those of you who are, are rejoining us now, I'm really sorry that we had a little interview. We've been having lunch. a very good time, though, <laughs> because we're entertaining Peter, who's right in the camera. He is we're really laughing. enjoying we, we have some people back. Oh, somebody, who's shooting up all that love? Somebody's shooting up a lot of love. Look, look at all the hearts that are popping. Oh, it's some crazy it's probably, person. I don't know. It's not even Penny. I don't even see Penny on who here. Is it, I don't, is it Linda? I, I, no, I don't, I don't know who it is. But um, I, I can't, I cannot get this thing. All right, I'm gonna turn this one off. Yeah, turn it because, off, it's not working. This one's working. All right, this one's working, but it's not showing me who's watching the show. So I don't know what's going on. Where I can't see, all I see is Peg. And look, somebody, is Pete, is that you shooting up all that love? No, I'm who's not Who's shooting even... up all that love? Let's... Somebody's shooting up a lot of love. Maybe it's Liza. Liza, you <laughs> <laughs> shooting up all the love? Liza. Um, oh, she was about to do it. You were about to shoot so up love. Okay, so all I see, it's Peg. Oh, Peg shooting up the love. Thank I you love Peg. you, Peg. Peg, it's just you and I. Peg's still shooting up. Hi, Mike Rowe. Hi, Michael Sim Hi, Michael Simpson. Michael Simpson, I just want to tell you, he's the most lovely guy. He, um, he watches the show every week. He shares it. He shared my son's show, his Harry's sports podcast. I saw the he's, you know, he's just really, Michael, thank you. Um, you're a wonderful person to be so generous and kind. I, I really appreciate that. Um, so anyway, so Tracy, we're, we're starting over. So for those of you who are, are now joining us, <laughs> <laughs> there's this, but wait, we're gonna, we're gonna, t and that, we're gonna tell these stories. Let, let, let's tell the Ellen story. Well, let's be, let's be, um, Linear this time. We're gonna be linear. Uh, you start with early We're gonna be linear. Life, so, like but, but first, up. I'm gonna give a shout out to Rick Smoltz. Okay. We never really got to. And Tracy is on this tissue box with with Jackie Collins and with um, with Kelly Carlin and with um, uh, I forgot Candy Samosa. And they did Women Who Write. And Tracy's been coming to Women Who Write for nine years. 
We've been going for 10 plus. And Rick Smokey of Quick Impressions in Chicago used to make us swag. I don't know if you remember. Every, I remember every single made month. everything for us. Every like month. Pads of paper. Right. And, and calendars yeah. and, and everything. And every month he gave us stuff. And he just Look did Look at the that. naked women who write calendar. <laughs> he did that out of By the... Rick naked men. <laughs> naked men. He did that out of the goodness of his heart. And he also has made my business... And by the way, if you need anything, Rick okay. will do oh, that for you. Okay, And he makes beautiful stuff, my bookmarks. His cards are good. Yeah, and really nice cards with my book on the With back. Vicky's book, Don't Jump, okay, which so, is really good. I all read, right, Tracy, I, read I, I need you to tell because you really read I, it. I not only read the book, you had read the book at Every Women Who Write, you read installments, and then I read the book. And it's really, really Was it a different experience um, having it read to yeah, you? Yeah, I guess it is a different experience. I didn't really think about it. I was like, I knew that certain parts were coming. I was looking forward to that. Nice. So it's a little different when you've read it, when you've heard it. Well, I had, but I don't think I had heard everything. No, I had purposely, right, yeah. I had purpose, purposefully stopped halfway through the book so that mm -hmm. when you continued to read, there would be stuff that you didn't know. Mm -hmm. But I did read a chapter a month for many years. Yeah, because it's a long, it's a long ass. In book. fact, you know, I feel like you started Women Who Write kind of to do that, right? That was why I started. And it's, it's like that's a really good lesson to people out there if you're writing something and you need to hear it read or whatever. Just start, just start your own thing. You, you know, that doesn't have to be a big deal like this. This is like a big show. It didn't deal. start out as a big show. No, I know. It, yeah, no, it's no. It's, this is different. Well, the, well, yeah, right, but no, but even women who write didn't start out as a big no, show. No, it was just a couple of people in the living room. Yeah, it was twenty people, it was twenty mommies in the living room, and then, but very, very quickly. Because um, and then um, we had to start buying the chairs. <laughs> thanks to thanks to you, I my kids and I and Gabe used to go to the church and get and schlep the chairs up and down the stairs every month. And then Tracy said, "Why don't we each just buy our chair?" And everybody threw twenty dollars into the kitty, and I I bought like fifty Very chairs. Very cheap chairs. I bought really cheap chairs, but we have a lot of chairs now. Um, anyway, so let's get back to you, Tracy. So anyway, so Rick Smokey, Quick Impressions in Chicago. He is fantastic. If you if you say you're a friend of mine of the shows, Rick just loves artists and creative people, and he will he will do it for you. For yeah. And um, and then Nicole Venables, my fabulous hairdresser who I adore, who has um, hair crush love. This is hair. Fuck off. And she, no, that's that's my feathers. But Nicole does quaff my hair, and she's fantastic. And it's really cool. Hair and she's cool. she's the I mean, she does the color, she does the cut, she's fab. I mean, I'm, you're only supposed to, you're not supposed to admit that you have your color done, but would anybody in the world believe that Yeah, this... but you know, as you notice, I'm blonder than you are, you and are... my hair is natural, so. <laughs> She's such a bitch. Uh-oh, it's it's stopped again on my computer. Mm. Well, we keep, just keep no, going. No, we're live here. We're live? Okay. Keep going. All just, right, you know, pretend like it's still on. <laughs> We do our show and it's, it's we've yeah. done it. We're, we're, we're just gonna. I'm afraid to put it on. Uh, 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 yeah, you know. Um, yeah. Let me go check on the bathroom. Well, it looks like. No, I don't know. I can't tell if we're live. If, if we're Saying live. It's live. It's not recording it live. We're live. We okay. Are live. We're live. Okay, good. So, Tracy, before we get to all your hardware, um, I, I want to talk about how you, you started. You guys should see how cute Pete is. <laughs> Wait, Pete, come around. Yeah, come around. Come yeah. on. Pete has to tell us about where he's performing this weekend. Because Pete, for those of you who don't know, Pete is a, a headlining, he's the rock and roll comedian. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so, um, and he, he plays a Strat. Stratocaster, 79 Stratocaster. A 79 Stratocaster. Yes. And so how do you incorporate uh, music into your act, Pete? Uh, I do. Yeah, he made he made this. Made this. Yeah, I made that. Mm -hmm. I do the like a history of rock, right? So yeah. it's got, it's all stuff that we know. 
but I pull the irony of it all and make like it really funny. Like, give us one example. Uh, I do like Van Halen's Eruption, and okay. I play it, but yeah. it's really funny. The way you do it. Yeah. Okay. And you play it. I do play it. Oh, I actually okay. play it, yeah. I can't. Pete also it. teaches guitar, for those of you out there who live in L.A. Oh. Yeah. And, and so where are you going to be uh, performing this week? I'm going to be at... Um, I'm going to be at the comic strip in El Paso, Texas. I do Six that. shows this week. Wow. Jeez. And next week I'm hosting 18 episodes of a corporate game show in Dallas. Which is crazy because Pete won't be here next week. So you'll leave, he's leaving me. I know. Well, Harry, my son, Harry Abelson, who has his own podcast in the booth, sports podcast, will be sitting in. Or my new, um, I, I don't know if, I, if it's... This is totally politically, politically incorrect, mm. but my wonderful lesbian, Emmy Geisel, who shot for me for, mm. for two years, uh, Women Who Write, and is moving back to St. Louis, but I have my alternate lesbian. My other lesbian is going to be it's maybe shooting for me. No, <laughs> no it's just, not politically no, correct. No, you gotta have your go-to. But that's, but that's, what, I, your, but that's what I call it. It's them. like your, it's your call, lesbian. But that's right, that's Emmy right. is my lesbian, and, and Kelsey is my other lesbian, but she doesn't like being called my other. I have to call her my, my West Coast. She's my West Coast. She's my West Coast. She's a lesbian. I, I, yeah. I, I, I love she's that. She's a lesbian. Why Jez? Because she's jealous. Oh, because she's lesbian jealous. jealous oh, lesbian. she's a lesbian. Yeah. Uh, or you can call it a lesbian. You know, although I have to say, last night I go to meetings, certain kind of meetings, and I, I go to the. the kind of meetings. The, well, I'm, I can't say what they're called because I'm not going to break the traditions. And oh. it actually wasn't one for okay. substance abuse. It was the other kind. Amway. People, play, people Places and Things <laughs> People places and things program. And I was at one last night at the AT Center, which is the gay and lesbian and um, yeah. transgender center. And at this particular meeting, I was the only heterosexual at this particular meeting. Awesome. And I didn't get called on. Oh. <laughs> so it was reverse discrimination. You also didn't get a date. I... I <laughs> Well, you know, I, I, I might have you been able to, I might have been able to do that. Yes, so, you know, if you wanted, I, I, I might have been able. Nobody asked me out, but I might have been able to do that. I'll go to the next one with you. <laughs> you will? Why? Because you're uh, with two straight people there. Yeah. Oh, okay. This way you won't feel Look so them. left out. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I just didn't get called out. So, but it, it, it did kind of teach me yeah. what it must feel like to be the person that's the wrong color, to be the person. That doesn't the odd man out, right? Yeah. Mm. Now I don't know that that's the reason I didn't get called on, but it was interesting that I was the only person that didn't mm. get called on. Mm. I had my hand up the whole time. I thought, do I? Do but I? How did they know? Do they I would look? know. They well, yeah, know. but they know me because oh. I. Oh, yeah. all right. So anyway, so I thought that's, that's why they didn't call it. Yeah. So <laughs> this, this show is about Tracy Newman. This is not about the, the whole. Yeah, it's uh, right about <laughs> me. It's, it's about me. Yeah, it's okay. Um. So anyway, so Pete Pete doesn't get to to sit with us enough. So. That's very comfortable for you, isn't it? No. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Do you have any All rice right. I can handle? That would help. <laughs> well, anyway, Pete, um, um, is everybody check Pete out, and we're going to get back to Tracy okay. now. Okay, beautiful. Okay, goodbye. Bye, guys. Thank okay. you, Pete. Thank you, Pete. Um, Thank you. Okay, so, um, so Tracy, we're, yeah. we're in your lovely home, and the way you afforded this lovely home is because you've had a very big career. And you've had a few big careers. You, you you do a lot of things. Wait, people are joining us now. See, people are back and they're laughing and they're mad. Oh, somebody was mad. We got a what mad face. Why would some, some some of that lesbian? Some, the lesbian they didn't. It like was a it. while ago. Um, oh, I think a, when it got disconnected, maybe oh. I accidentally hit well, that button. Well, that's the right thing to be mad at. Oh, okay. I, I didn't hit it. Well, well, you it. know, I don't know. Lynn, hi, Lynn. Lynn's with us. Lynn Stewart. Isn't I love story? you. The tap oh. keeps stopping. Oh. The tape keeps stopping, but you both look fantastic. You know, Lynn was in a show last night. Uh, she was so good. Tell us about Lynn it. Lynn Stewart. Yeah. It was called 
the pack at the Pico, and Eugene Pack had written a bunch of. She's uh, clean. She's cleaning her Peabody Award while we're on the air mm -hmm. live. Because the chocolate's melting on it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Lynn would played a uh, uh, washed up, not washed up, but just an old, no. just old a has been. No, not no. even quite a has-been, just somebody who was sort of a star on Broadway mm. for years. And now she's, she's very old. She's not, I mean, she's actually, she was dead. I realized she's a ghost. She was a ghost. Okay, well, but, you know, she, but Tracy she's so just, funny. That was, Tracy just gave away the end. That, well, that's, that's all right. I don't know what, if they what, what is that called? P, what is that called? I don't know, but Tina called, uh, commented. What? I want to be a lesbian. <laughs> I want to, <laughs> Tina. You want to be a lesbian? Okay. I, we, yeah. We I mean, that. it would be easier, wouldn't it? It seems like it would be easier. I, I so hear it's much not. easier. Oh, but it although, just seems like you know, you know what? From from what I hear, it's not easier. No, it's because not. Because as soon as you go on a first date, lesbians go on a first date, they, they exchange keys. Now, that's the way my heterosexual dating life was Mine back too. in the day, right? Yeah. Um, it's so like you make a no, connection and you just, want to, you just want to go all the way. That's it. The moving truck comes with, with lesbians, yeah. I've been told, that, that the next day the moving truck comes. You know, you're saying so. a lot of offensive things. I, I know. <laughs> well, so, since we're talking about, like, so, since we're talking about the gay, alright, I only say this because I love. So, so we have to talk about this now because we talked about it in the last episode, we got cut off. This is called an Emmy, mm. and you know, here's a little known fact. Go ahead. It's kind of sad. Mm -hmm. When you win an Emmy, you have to buy it. That is not true. This was three hundred dollars in nineteen ninety-seven. I'm sure it's more now. You I have to buy 19... your Emmy. If you're not a star, I'm sure that Ellen didn't have to. She's cleaning her. Oh, I'm just noticing the cleaning lady. Has she's, she's cleaning her Emmy <laughs> while we're on the show. Um, you bought this. I bought but, uh, it. Yeah, because I wanted to have it. But I mean, I won it. But we're saying Julie Louis Dreyfus doesn't. Have no, to no, buy no. Her if you're, if in other words, think of it this way. What good does it do the Emmy Corporation or whatever they are for me to have this? However, if Ellen has one on her wall, mm -hmm. or many of them, it's a feather in their cap. Okay. That's how I look So, it. So there is a pecking order. Yeah. And writers at the what, bottom. In Hollywood? And writers <laughs> at the bottom of that. Writers, uh, in, you know, that's interesting that you say that. Yes, it, it's true. Anybody who's not a star is down at the bottom. Right. But it's interesting that in television, really writing is, besides being a star, I guess, you know, but mm -hmm. writing, it's a writer's medium. Yes, a lot is. of people think that, you know, they want to be a director or they want to be a producer or whatever, but it's really, in my opinion anyway, I mean, and I think it's the truth actually, mm -hmm. it's a writer's medium. And writers go up the ladder as producers, really. Like you start out as a story editor, but you're not really a story editor, you're just a writer. And then you're still a writer, but you end up being the executive. And, and why? Why? Why is that? I mean, I know that to be true. Well, I don't know. I think they don't know. There's no other way to to give. What title do you give? So in order like, to, to increase somebody's you know, writer, better writer, better writer, better writer, better writer, <laughs> longer time on writer, <laughs> experience writer. You know. So I just saw Tracy Reiner's on. Hi, Tracy. Hi, Tracy. Um, you were named after me. Yeah. <laughs> She was not. No. Yeah. That's terrible. That's so bad. Um, so, okay, so let's go back to. Oh, yeah. So, so this is for the coming out episode of Ellen, which was in 1996, and I won this in 1997. And uh, we did a whole thing. We're not going to repeat it. Well, <laughs> we're not going to repeat the story? Okay. We, really, should we? I, I'm, I'm feeling like we have new people now. So I'm yeah, but we have like some you, of the same ones. Yeah, but I'm feeling like you need to tell the tell story. Tell us. You have to write to us and tell us how you feel about hearing the same story. How do you feel about hearing the same story? I, I, I think we need to tell Maybe I, I can come up with some other stuff about that. 
Okay, so wait, so you're working on Ellen. We're working, I was there four seasons, and uh -huh. all of a sudden, Ellen has a party, which was unusual. It's not like she had parties at her house and invited us. Okay, <laughs> this is in real life. This is not on the exactly. show. Uh, this is in real life. Okay. Actually, this was after the third season. Okay. And it was summer or something, or, you know, in between, show, uh, in between seasons. And she um, announced to the writers that she wanted to come out. And apparently she had already talked to the studio and the network and they were all behind it. And, uh, you know... She hadn't come was, out in real life yet. Well, not in public. Everybody knew, though. Right, but I mean, she had... She had when she came out, when Ellen came out... It was a out, huge shock in sort of... The, but she came out as her character on the show before she did as a, as a, as a person, did or no, not? No, it was simultaneous, it was but simultaneous. you know, it's a good okay. question. I don't know. Okay. So, I, I don't remember. So she announced she wanted to do yeah, it. Yeah, and there were, there were the minute uh, anybody got wind that this might be happening, the, you know, um, there were bomb scares. Oh, wow. There were... Uh, religious right, I guess that's who it was, uh -huh. were uh, threatening Disney, like saying they wouldn't go to Disneyland. Wait a minute, like so that. this got leaked before well, you actually... Well, it was leaked, but it was like close to the episode. You know, it was like they were trying to stop it from happening very close to when it happened. Okay. You know, when you do a season of 26 episodes and mm -hmm. you have an arc, mm -hmm. which that show didn't have a great arc, but this time it kind of did. We were subtly building up to this. Okay. And then, you know, somebody says, you know, you can't do that. It's it's like you're going to put up a fight. Yeah. And especially in this situation. Right. I mean, Ellen truly, in her personal life and on the show, she had to do this. Yes. She just was uh, too unhappy mm -hmm. hiding. And um, which anybody would be. Talk so, about the, talk about what happened. I'll say something um, about my partner at yeah. that party because I went uh, he I, he went out on the balcony. Did we mention his name here? Jonathan Stark. Thank He's you. gonna love this. <laughs> <laughs> I, that sounded sarcastic. <laughs> yeah. Jonathan Stark. He went out on the balcony and I went out there and I said I said this is amazing and he said I I don't think I want to do it. Hmm. And I said why. And he said, I just feel like our career is really good, and, and we're, but we're not under a microscope. Mm -hmm. He said, I totally get it. I want to be there, mm -hmm. but I'm worried that what if, what if the episode's not good? It's not like we had been chosen to write it uh, yet, but it just oh, was Oh, you like, still hadn't been chosen no, to nothing, write it? nothing, okay. just that this was going to be the writing staff, uh -huh. right? So, you know, he, he was worried about being, you know, having the spotlight on us. Because really we had started on that. Cheers, you know, when yeah. you when you start at the top like that on, yeah. on a show that's so popular. We're going to talk about that too. You know, that was like 1991 or something, the tenth season of Cheers. Wow. We really learned how to run a show just by watching what was going on there. They mm. had it down, man. They mm. they came in at ten and they left at six. Wow. It was a real job, a wow. regular job. Wow. And we learned so much from those guys and uh, and from that that show and so who was the showrunner on cheers uh it was bill stein bill and sherry stein kellner who are the people that brought us on mm -hmm. and uh Fief sutton and but running the room at the time were dan o'shannon and uh his partner tom anderson and uh dan staley and and his partner rob long um and dan stay dan o'shannon was pretty much running the room and dan was in his 20s Wow. And he, you know, these were guys, Princeton, Harvard guys, mm -hmm. lampoon type guys, really sharp. 
And I was 46. It was my first job writing television, and I was going through menopause. <laughs> and I used to sit in there and have a hot flash and want to just tear my clothes off and run out of there. And all I could think of is, can these kids see the sweat on my face? <laughs> Um, we're going to go back and talk about how... But I wanted to talk about John for a minute. So, okay. so Jonathan, he, I, I said to him, you know, um, it's going to be great, though, don't you? I mean, we're part of history. This is a great thing. And he totally agreed with that. I mean, right. he wanted to be on board with that. So, and there was also, there was another show he wanted to be on at the time. I think mm -hmm. it was Hope and Gloria or something like that with Cynthia Stevenson. And um, so... When the time came for them to choose who was going to write it, and they ended up which choosing, that would have been a faulty choice on his part, by the way, because well, I don't I mean, know I'm that show. To talk about yeah, this, okay. you know, he he. Uh, when they chose us, he was like, "Oh shit!" Well, now this is like it's bad people, enough. Wait, no, these people didn't hear the story because that was on the earlier show, part one. Before we got interrupted, this is part two. For those of you who are joining us now, tell yeah that, for that, for whatever reason. Uh, my partner, John, and Jonathan Stark and I were chosen to write the first half hour. Remember, if you saw it, it was a full hour, but the first half hour was where she comes out, at the and, airport. And, she, that, and you both are heterosexual. Yeah. And there were, there were, there were gay, people, gay on, people on the staff. And they did not choose them. And your theory behind that I, was? I, I guess I just felt like, uh, you know, I felt like she was a character that didn't um was incapable of intimacy i feel like i'm going through a broken record no that's okay because <laughs> they have heard of, it of intimacy mm -hmm. and and that uh just because she's now dating the right sex what if you know would it really make that big a difference i mean if you're incapable of intimacy if you can't even be terribly intimate with your friends are you going to suddenly be able to be intimate and uh so i just felt like well it's going to be the same thing no, but but the, but you said the reason that you thought that the network picked you guys, the two heterosexual writer partners. Oh, I, I well, yeah. Well, one of the reasons might be that they were heterosexuals that picked us too. Yeah. I guess, you know. And truth be told, do I really know that? Stop banging you! You're banging by the microphone. Mm -hmm. They're gonna hear a. When I used to wear those things, I'd be going, you know, just like. <laughs> yeah, banging on the microphone. Bam. Yeah. The first week we had the microphone, um, Isai Morales and I were banging on the table and like you can, it like <laughs> boom through the, we had it he's on the so table. Cute. He is so cute. He's going to come so to win the ride. He's so good in Ozark. He's, he's, he's so, he was, he's he gone. was fabulous. He's dead. Yeah, he blew up. Yeah, his head was no longer on his body. Um, so, all right, so let's go back to this. So you wrote this. So, so I'm saying that, that he was really, you know, he felt like, the, you know, that our careers were going to be ruined again. And it's, that's you know, far. That's far yeah. from what happened in actuality. Well, you know, it's not, again, he was so, if you knew John, you'd know that he was so on board with the whole idea of this, mm -hmm. but he didn't want anything to rock the boat, you know, and I get that, and I, you know, I can't say I didn't have that fear too, but I said at that time, look, they've given us four months off to write a 22-minute show. Did they really? With, they, what they did was we had to come in two days a week, and the rest of the week we had to write the thing. Wow. And I, I thought, you know, if you think we can't write something that's funny to us and meaningful, a 22, minute, 22 minutes that means something, 
in that amount of time, then we deserve to get slammed by the reviewers. <laughs> so that, you know, I think that kind of helped. And mm -hmm. uh, we really, we had so much fun, especially writing the scenes. If anybody remembers the episode of her in the uh, hotel room with the guy. You know, Tell, because I don't remember. Well, it's like he's, he's sitting there, sitting like this. He's got his arm around her, and she's got a bottle of water, and she's going, <laughs> you know, like that. Which you don't write that. You know, right. So That's Ellen. funny. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, he's he's putting his arm around her and he's kind of making the moves on her. And her just her way of getting out of it mm. was so much fun to write. And they actually get on the bed and she's she's talking about it. She's yelling, "I love men, <laughs> I love men." And I, you know, it, it just it was you know, I don't even remember. I I'd have to get the script out. <laughs> but and then the scenes with Laura Dern in her hotel room mm. where Laura says, "Well, you know, I really thought you were gay." And Ellen says, why would you think that? And gets up and she's backing away and she goes to this, this ice bucket and gets a glass and starts putting ice and it's like all over the floor and she's putting ice where she, and puts it in her mouth, you know, and is like so uncomfortable. I mean, it's great to write for somebody who's, you know, physically can do that stuff too. Mm -hmm. So anyway, it was great fun. So and we were, we were... You know, was this a surprise? Yeah, it was because uh, I think that I think Gil Younger, who was who directed it, and he did a great job. He didn't win, mm -hmm. and uh, you know that doesn't bode well. Yeah, and so well. uh, and we were up against uh, Seinfeld, two Seinfelds, uh, Yada Yada, and uh, wow, and one did, other. Did great Peter one. Melman write Peter, Yada Yada? Peter Melman is <laughs> angry at me to this day. <laughs> I and think Peter's I mean, won at least one Emmy. I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. But I, I, was, I was sitting in the audience with my shoes off. My feet were swollen. You know, I had high heels on. Yeah. And I had to put my shoes on so fast, and then I had to get out of the aisle and then run up the aisle, and my feet were, like, killing me. <laughs> and, you know, I, I get up there, and I wasn't even smart enough to stand in a close picture. Like, if you look at the thing, I yeah. have it on my website, uh -huh. on tracynewman.com. Go to fun stuff. <laughs> See the mistakes I have made in my life. <laughs> just watch me on the Emmy. Ellen's going to read something. She goes like this to my partner, and he just looks straight ahead. <laughs> he doesn't take it from her. She, so she hands it to me, who's like this yeah. tall. He's like this tall. She hands it to the smallest person on stage. Yeah. So I'm it's standing heavy, there. this thing. I'm holding the Emmy, and I moved off camera for some reason. So the poor cameraman is like, what? she's talking and he goes over to me. <laughs> Probably I'm sure somebody yelled at him, what are you doing? It's Ellen. <laughs> I'm standing here like this. <laughs> I have a photo of that. It's great. Are you wearing your shoes? I'm wearing my eyes. Oh, I'm so And then you have to walk this thing where you go, you know, through reports backstage and everything and Anna Hayes like doing this with Ellen's makeup and everything. And we're, we're getting our pictures taken and by then I was floating. By then, mm. I didn't feel my feet. Oh. It was a big moment, you know. It is a big it moment. A big and moment. so, how did it impact? We're going to go backwards how you got started, but how did it impact oh, yours we and got, Jonathan's uh, career we after had, that? We had so many offers after that. I mean, we, well, wait. We, let's we had, just we say had a very, very let's just wait, let's just say though that after this season of you winning the Emmy, you and Jonathan were fired. Yeah, the whole, the whole staff was fired. <laughs> So we talked about that earlier. But I mean, they, she, the, the, there had been a purge after every season, and we had survived. So uh, I, I don't, you know, we we felt like there's going to be an elephant in the room next season, and oh, how do we, I don't know how to deal with it, mm -hmm. other than the feeling that the show stays the same. 
she dates women now and she still can't connect. I, that was the only thing I could think of, but right. they took that in a different direction. Tim Doyle took over as the executive producer and he was, he's terrific. So. Mm -hmm. And so what was that, was that writer's room, was Ellen's writer's room different than other writers? I mean, I'm sure that they all have their own personality, but because that's such an intense, uh, was it different? Yes. How so? Um, there were some gay women, okay. which was great, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and gay men, but mm -hmm. but it was I'd say 50-50. Mm -hmm. and um, it was always a great staff. But remember, it's like a different staff, except for me and John and this guy Alex Hirschlag every season. Why do you think that you and Jonathan were I, 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 carried over? I think over? it was her manager, but I, I don't mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. And I I saw our son blanking on his name right now. I love that guy. Okay, maybe it'll come to you while we're while we're here and doing this. And uh, so, the last season, though, if you recall, if you watched it ever, I I, I watched it sporadically. I never watched you know, it all the way was, through. Was uh, was Ellen getting to deal with a lot of things that bothered her mm -hmm. about going somewhere with your girlfriend when Look, you're gay? Uh huh. You know, uh, trying to get a hotel room uh, or whatever, walking down the street holding hands, all the things that she wasn't able to do before. Mm -hmm. And um, so it became, I think, cause fighting kind of thing. Mm. I think that was, you know, if, if there's a reason that it didn't stay on, maybe that's it. I, I don't know. I mean, I think they lost an audience. Well, what's, what's, what's fascinating and fabulous is that Ellen has had her greatest success since that went I'm off sure she there, thought, right? I know, she thought it was all over and, uh, and it was, the best was yet to come. And, and, so. and I think that's, that's kind of, uh oh, are we still live? Because mine's frozen. You're live. All right, so I don't know what the hell we're is going on. We're counting on you, see. So it keeps telling me that we're, it keeps showing me a picture and we're stopped. Mm. So I think Lynn said that it keeps stopping out in Facebook land. Well, that's like hard uh, to watch if it keeps Is it stopping? It's, it's, it's delayed, but it's going. Yeah. It's, it's delayed and going. There's a lot of comments. I don't know if that's all people telling us, you're stopped, you're Michael stopped. Simpson says Michael says we're, we're live. Mm. Okay, good. Is it your rotary phone? Is <laughs> I just saw Phil is on here too. So okay, so so all right. So let's let's uh, let's put. We're gonna put the Emmy. We, we could leave the Emmy. It looks so nice. It we does. can let. Let's hold up the Peabody Award because so, so, now another story about this. Let's have. You know, when you win the Peabody Award, you have to buy it. Oh, that too. And it's two hundred dollars. Okay, now now what, again, unless you're the star. Now, what was this experience like? Um, they just uh, notify you. And there's no that you have there's an no award if you want it. Ceremony and red carpet. No. And it's the University of uh, Georgia that gives these out. And remember, I don't know, I mean, I grew up thinking the Peabody Award's like a huge thing. Yeah. And 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 it's great to have one. Yes. But it's a lot of people have one. <laughs> Do really? Yeah, like all the people in Animaniacs yeah. and think about how many people there are in Animaniacs. That no, that's true? a great yeah. show. Yeah. And so I have one. <laughs> I bought it. No, no, I'm not. I don't want to be dissing the University of Georgia and the Peabody Award. I am. I am blown away, frankly, that I have one of these to, to put on my shelf. But uh, I'm not sure what the deal is with the. Anyway. I, I don't. I don't. I, you're one of the few people I know with a Peabody Award, so I'm still very impressed. I have a couple friends who have them. 
for various things. I have things. a couple of friends, but I, I'm, I'm very impressed that you have one. You, so, know, you win awards when you're writing for television, like if you do anything with an animal, you know, uh, that that's smacks of animal rights in any way, mm -hmm. you get a, uh, a uh, what is that called? I got one. You know, from the animal rights people. From no. PETA? Yes. We did a show with Mary Tyler Moore on, uh, on Ellen, uh -huh. and uh, where she saves a lobster. By the way, Pete George, this is his I necklace that he did. That, did yeah. you do that? Okay. And good. you said it, yeah. Well, well I know. I think, just for Pete. No, I think that was on the other show, but oh. Pete made that necklace. Uh, no, and I that was one. this show so when we introduced Pete, yeah. Okay. Say it again. <laughs> and you can get a Pete George Pete's necklace. Pete's got some smile, yeah, I'll tell you. Has, ah, and dimples, too. He's very cute. <laughs> oh, I think this is a, what is that called in Jewish land? Uh, a sh uh, not a scheidel, that's a thing you put on your. There's a thing that it's called when you bring people together. I can't remember what it's called. But a anyway. Swish get. <laughs> swish. Cougar Town? <laughs> swish get. I like Cougar Town. I'm going to Cougar Town would work too. Uh, no, it would Okay, work. so, all right. So let, let's go, let's, let's backtrack. And I started to say, you have this gorgeous house. You've earned it. Um, you've had this very big career. So uh, for those of you who don't know, um, Tracy comes from uh, a, a, a family, a family of, a family of Newmans that um, have great success. Lorraine Newman is my sister. She is. And I was one of the founding members of the Groundlings along with Lorraine. The Groundlings, which is a, an improv company here in Los Angeles, that is, uh, has been for many years kind of one of the main farm companies for SNL. People like Will Ferrell and Phil Hartman, the late Phil Hartman, mm -hmm. uh, John Lovitz, um, Melissa McCarthy, Kristen I'm, Wiig. Well, I mean, it's just Maya Rudolph. I think, I'm not sure My, about Maya Rudolph. Mm -hmm. I think Maya Rudolph, mm -hmm. actually. Uh, I wasn't there when she was there, which is why I don't know. Um, well, I wasn't there when a lot of these people were there. I was there when Phil Hartman was there, though, of course. Um, and um, Before you get, before you get to the groundlings, I, because I, I'm curious how you got to that. So you have many siblings, you have numerous siblings. Yeah, and my, one of my brothers uh, is a musician named Dutch Newman. Um, he does uh, 20s type music and he's terrific. Has so were your parents funny, musical, what? Um, my stepfather, mm -hmm. my, Lorraine, and Paul, Lorraine and Dutch, whose real name is Paul Newman, okay. changed it <laughs> to Dutch. Uh, anyway, he, uh, they're twins. I did Lorraine's not know twin that. twin is Dutch Newman. Wow, I didn't know. I did not know that before. Yes. Okay, and I've known you both and a long time. And so uh, they're from my mother and my stepfather. Okay. And I have an older brother, Stephen, who was the lighting designer at the Roxy, and who was a lighting designer for groups like Van Halen, and you know wow. he went on tour with those guys. There you go. Call yeah. back. Yeah. Like it. Call back to Van Halen. And uh, so your stepfather, what did he, he do? He was in the quilting business. <laughs> Wait, I thought you said he was the entertaining one. He was funny. He, he was, was the funny. Oh, he was one. funny. My mother was funny, but like Gracie Allen is funny. Okay, so you know. she didn't know she was funny. No, she just said things that know, were funny. Like, we had this this maid. Yeah. When I was growing up, named Lola, who was literally with our family, our you know, our whole life. We were a sitcom at home. So it, it wasn't Lola poverty used to, used in, to the, say, in the Newman no, home. No, no. My mother would buy houses and redo them and sell them at a profit, and it was all in Beverly Hills. Wow. So we, we would, she would buy like it back, we're talking about when a house was, in Beverly Hills was $90,000, $80,000, and she'd sell it for $180,000. So right. That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. 
Lola used to say, do things like my mother would say, well, if there's one thing I know, and then Lola would say, well, what's the other thing? You know, that kind of thing. She'd be real sarcastic. So funny. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, it was a funny household, I'd mm -hmm. say. And Lorraine, when did you when did you figure out you're Lorraine's older sister? When yeah, did you... I'm like nine years older than than the twins. Okay. And I and I my mother was sick for about six months when there were about two, mm -hmm. and uh, she was in bed bedridden, and I was their mom, mm -hmm. and At I nine. loved it. And you were eleven I, by this point. I was uh, yeah. They were born when I was nine, and mm -hmm. I was about eleven. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I couldn't wait to get home from school to take care of the twins Aww. and walk them and sing to them and do everything. And Lorraine, but actually I have to say they were both really funny, but Lorraine was already kind of doing voices and stuff before. You know, I'm going to do something right now that I wasn't planning on doing, but it's making me cry thinking about it. Could you play a little bit of that song you that know, you wrote for Lorraine? Um, again. It just, it's, <laughs> well, no, the Lorraine remember. song. It just, I know what you're asking for. Yeah, it's been years. If you remember it. Um, but the, I, it, Tracy did this at Women Who Write years ago, and I think Lorraine was in the house when you did it, and I know it made me cry then, and just thinking about it is making me cry. Thirty years ago, <laughs> forty-five years <laughs> ago, forty years ago, just a toothpick of a girl was making the whole world laugh. Live on from New York. Every Saturday night for a solid gold hour and a half. Blinded by the lights and the backstage drama, never knowing the extent of her fame. Till late one night in the lobby of the plaza, John Lennon shouted out her name. see yourself now that the dust has settled after all your stumbling and rising from the rubble you'd be so glad you're you if you could see yourself as I do anyway Lorraine I don't you know, know as, as you were as you were it's you're getting a lot of love as you were singing it uh, that when that thing about John Lennon just blows my mind, which obviously is Tracy's CD. Tell us about it. This is my first CD, and Lorraine is uh, cut number three on uh, "Place in the Sun" by Tracy Newman and the Reinforcements. And I'm gonna I'm gonna put the uh, the link so that you can get yeah. to Tracy's website and order all her CDs because there are there are numerous CDs that she's got. Um, so that really happened with John Lennon calling out Lorraine's yeah, name. Yeah, but Lorraine tells me it wasn't the plaza. So. Oh, okay. Well, it's, I, I thought it, it was, though, so, you know, plaza, but I, and it was, it really was across the room, mm -hmm. and it, Lorraine, and she looked, and she just, she just, like, can you imagine? Because she knew who the Beatles were, of course, and she was, like, <sighs> you know, because she was, they had been so cloistered in their, um, up in, you know, wherever it is, uh, Rockefeller Center, right, mm -hmm. you know, up there. And so busy, right? And her life had been so focused on that one thing, and uh, she didn't get out. Mm -hmm. And so that was like a huge shock to her. And so, okay, so we'll we'll, we'll come back to Saturday Night Live. So 
You're you're a kid. No, we when, won't. When, we will. No. I when when do you figure? When do, when do you realize that you're fun? Oh wait, before you're funny, you're playing music originally. Yeah, right? I was. Oh, I from the time I was fourteen, I was singing with children. I was singing and I started singing in clubs. I went to New York and. 1965, and I was playing The Bitter End and and, uh, the, and the Improv at 44th and 9th. I was there all the time, playing with all the comics. I think that was when I really ended up drifting to comedy because I was Rodney Dangerfield was there, Richard Pryor, mm. uh, Robert Klein, Rodney, um, Rodney Dangerfield, Rodney Dangerfield, Rodney. Dangerfield. <laughs> uh, I actually went out with Rodney Dangerfield. Did like, you really? I well, he he was married, but then he was <laughs> separated for quite a, like a couple of years, mm -hmm. I think. And uh, I went to the Copa, I was his date at the Copa. Oh when my he, when God. He, when he came back to show business. Wow. Because uh, he came back to show business in his 40s, that's when he became a star. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's see, uh, well, I don't know. I mean, really, okay, so really wait, everybody so, so, was there. So, so. You're, you're singing, so you're, you're singing. And I was one of the few singers, I was maybe, one or two singers came there. After mm -hmm. their gigs, we would go there like two in the morning, stay till four or five, because it wasn't an alcohol place at the time. Right. And we would just do our show. And so did you think at that time, I'm gonna be a singer-songwriter, this is what I'm gonna do with yeah, my life? Yeah, I mean, I was one of those people who went to New York to be a star. What kind of star? Singing. You know, to be not, a singer? Not like... Folk singer, no? Yeah, but you know, you've seen me on stage. Mm -hmm. I'm not a great singer. I'm not a great guitar player. I'm, I'm a good writer. You're, you're a personality. And and I mm -hmm. consider myself just comfortable on stage. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that can be, I, I could have done different kinds of shows, I'm sure. I, you know, I'm not much of an actress, but uh, Ed McMahon, I went, to, I went to a vocal coach and the vocal coach, his name was Bert Knapp, and he had a lot of celebrities, like Gig Young was there and Peter Falk. These were people that went so that they could speak better and so they would sing. And he would do things like put Peter things. Falk sang. Well, he would sing in this thing just to get his voice. You know, he had. Oh, he was, but they were using that to be better. To actors. be better elocution. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. This yes. is in the '60s, people. Yeah. So um, <laughs> Betty White was there. I mean, wow. really, literally, it was a who's who. And for some reason, my appointment was either before or after. I don't remember. It must have been after, because why would Ed McMahon have stayed to listen to me? Or maybe mm -hmm. it was before. It was before him, because otherwise okay. he wouldn't have stayed. Right. So Bert used to make him listen to me. He'd say, all right, listen, listen, sit down, shut up, and so listen. Now, and he would make me go do some crazy exercise, and I'd have to sing. For so wait, but Ed McMahon was there for a vocal? For he was doing an album. He was on Johnny Carson at the time, but he was making a music out, singing out. Now, is this before you're on Johnny Carson? It, I was on in 1964 as well. This is the same year? This is this is like uh, I'm sorry, 1960, end of 1964, 65. I was on. But this and thing it, with Ed McMahon, which happened was, first? The, what are you thinking? The the time I was on with the Cards was in 1974. Oh, okay. That's a whole other life. Okay, that okay. But this okay. was like a year out of my life. I can't tell you all the mistakes I made. Every mistake that you give, could give, possibly give us a, like make. what. Oh, for instance, he puts me on uh, The Tonight Show, which was, at that time, the, there was a 15-minute segment called The First 15 that was just in New York. And then it went live all over the country at 11.30. So at 11.15 to 11.30, they had The First 15. Is that so? Yeah. I mean, I was in New York, this so... This was in 1965 when I was And there. I was sneaking watching with the, with the contrast. You probably were out. watching The First 15, too, I'm, and the I'm, rest of it, too, you know. Yeah. So the so, first 15 started at 11.30? 7.15, 11.15.
Gee, do you remember that, Pete? I don't know. Oh, he wouldn't that. know. No, he's too young. He's younger than me. So, yeah. so he put me on the Tonight Show, and I, this is, my act, I wore a little cap, and I mean, this is like a joke. You can look for pictures of me, or you look for the, the What's New videos, uh, Tracy Newman, What's New, and you'll see all these videos of me in 1965 in black and white, singing and playing a guitar in my little outfit. And, uh, so, um, when I went on The Tonight Show, this, is, this has got a lot of that interesting things. That had to be huge for you to it get on this. It was so fucking scary. I was so scared. And it, Carson wasn't on, it was Joey Bishop that night. Oh, wow. He was the host. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was not ready for this. I mean, Was I this was your first so, TV show? Yeah, I mean, I... I and what I, a place and to start. Like, and Ed McMahon was my manager, and he had, had one of the staff people, the writers, for the Tonight Show, wrote a kids' TV show called Travels with Tracy, and we pitched it. And I saw these young executives turn down Ed McMahon, and I thought, "What is What is going on?" Okay, wait. This is too much story for. It's, it's let's so, go. Let's roll this back a minute. How did Ed become your manager? So he, he saw me at my vocal coach, and and he he and his manager together approached me. Uh, as, a sing, as a singer-songwriter, not as a Just queen. as an entity, you know, like a performer. Did he know you were funny? Were your no, songs funny thought, back then? He, I, he thought I'd do a great kids show. Were your, was, were your, no, were your songs funny? No, I was funny? not writing. You, you were not writing, no, you were doing I covers. was doing, what I sang for him was, Brother, Can You Spare a Dime? And what did you do and on the Tonight the Show? I sang Don't Think Twice and uh, Tiki Tacky, Little Boxes. Little Boxes, Wow, okay. So here's what happened on The Tonight Show. Okay. And this is show business in a nutshell. Okay. Before I went on, every agent in town was there. When I got off, it was a desert. <gasps> and here's why. <laughs> they made me wear a dress and heels. And I had been wearing a little costume with boots and a cap and, you know, like a gamine kind of uh, street paper boy okay. look. Mm -hmm. So... I had to take my hair out done and your... makeup, mm. and they put me on a stool that had these rungs. Okay. And then I put my heels inside the rungs. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there playing, and I'm thinking, I'm going to fall forward. <laughs> my heels are stuck, and I cannot fall forward. So I started to sing faster and faster. And I, the band was playing with me, even though I was playing the guitar. Doc Severinsen? It was uh, Skitch Henderson. Skitch That's Henderson. That's a Me Too story. Okay. Oh. Yeah. We want that. So, uh, and it's a great story about a McMahon, actually. Okay. Uh, so I, uh, I got higher and higher, so the band had to slowly stop playing <laughs> because the pitch was, you know, <laughs> the pitch was... <laughs> And that's why. And then everybody applaud and everything. And then I go backstage, you know, after the thing, and uh, just no, but no agent. Okay, let's hear the and Ed McMahon's still my manager. Okay, so let's hear this. And he this. doesn't know what the fuck to do with me now, <laughs> right? All right, wait. Let's hear the Skitch Henderson story first. So when you go, when you do music on the Tonight Show, yeah, at any time, anyway, you have to respect them. You have to audition for the musical director. Okay. So I had to go into his office. So Ed McMahon invited the entire staff, you? all the people in the outer office, 23, all the people in the outer office to come in with us. And I said, after we, I auditioned, and Skitch said, great, and we leave, and I said, wow, that's like 
amazing does this happen I mean do you does everybody come in all the time for this it's like just to have an audience right right and he said well sketch has um, you know has his uh, I don't remember how he put it like uh, I don't remember the phrase but it was I didn't quite understand it but I thought about it later and I kept thinking about it and I thought and then stories were surfacing about him the casting couch kind of things mm -hmm. And uh, so, so it was he saving was protecting you. me. Mm. Okay. And then, and then so when I went on again to do cards in the 1970s, which is another story, Ed was there. And he, he, he was... He, he was, was no like, longer your manager. No. Mm -hmm. But he... he just, <laughs> You know how's it going? <laughs> and it was so, and I had to meet him on stage. You know, because I, I go out and I was on the panel right, with Johnny, I saw. and uh, you know I shake hands with Ed, and we couldn't act like you knew each other, shit or anything. You know, no, we couldn't do that. So how how did he stop being your manager? What would you remember? You know, what? I don't have my a lot. So much is a blur after mm -hmm. that because I I knew I had blown such a big opportunity. What he did was he started. He found an agent for me and started sending me. He didn't even know what I did. He sent me up for play auditions and stuff. I couldn't act. I, yeah. I mean, really, it was, it was. I, you know, I should have just said, forget it. You know, because we we pitched Travels with Tracy and everybody said, good idea, Ed, but why her? You yeah. know, we're sitting at ten o'clock in the morning and and I'm singing, you know, mm -hmm. don't think twice or some stupid thing. And there's mascara down here from the gig I did the night before. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I'm a child. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he couldn't get the, get it. Well, I couldn't sell it, and neither could he. Mm. So, okay, so he's no longer your manager. You've had this big opportunity. Do you think when... Okay, so this is important for what this show is also about. Also at the bitter end, Fred... Mm -hmm. Fred uh, De Cordova? Fred, uh, no, Fred Weintraub, who owned the bitter end, wanted to manage me also, mm -hmm. and wanted to put me on stage with, with guy dancers, and he wanted me to have my nose done. Oh, and I just, I just said no, and then good. About no, about a year later, I did. You had your nose done? Yeah, because I, I saw thought this it. was your nose. No, I saw it. Uh, I was auditioning for something, and the camera was here, and the monitor was there, oh. and I had never seen my profile. And wow. I thought, hmm, here I am auditioning for commercials. If I really am serious about this, I can't have that. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't understand. Be yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, I did as a person, but I didn't understand it for that. I, I regretted it. I always regretted it. It's amazing that it didn't affect your voice. Well, my voice has always stayed for <laughs> what it is yeah, but, what it is. Yeah, but that's a good thing. I mean, we like it the way it is. All right. All right so, so you're you're starting out to be a singer songwriter. You're playing the circuit. You're getting being in the, at, at the improv. So you're in touch with the comedians. That part of you is getting. How how does the ground? I quit happen? show business after uh, I got back from New York, and I became a nursery school teacher. How old are you there? Uh, like twenty. Well, it, there's some lost time in there, you know, where I did nothing. I'm sure, mm -hmm. but I think around twenty eight, twenty nine. Okay. And um, I was Amy Sherman's babysitter. Time too. You know who Amy is? She's oh. the Mrs. Miss Maisel. She's created oh. that. She and her husband. Wow. And Gilmore Girls and mm -hmm. stuff. Amy, uh, I, I have know, great pictures of babysitting Amy when she was four. She was oh the cutest gosh. little thing. Uh huh. Anyway, I just remembered that. And um, 
I became a nursery school teacher and I uh, dated a lawyer and I just stayed out of show business and then I'm not sure how it happened but I somehow I met Ricky Jay okay so let's talk about that that part of your life a little bit yeah Ricky for those of you who don't know it as a was a brilliant magician performer a brilliant performer who passed away last November and um, it was a devastating blow to a lot of uh, a lot of people, and um, I met him. He was a he, magician he was, in large part. He was, I met him at the Magic Castle. He was in the close-up room, mm -hmm. and I went to see that show like I think like seventeen times in a row. You wow. could, what they do is you go in, you're in there for twenty minutes, and then they clear the room, and then they bring in another. 25 people or whatever it's a really small room but I managed to stay in there mm -hmm. and I stayed in every night that I went and I mm -hmm. saw about 17 shows and then I started dating him and I I just was I had never seen anything like what can he you was can you show us well you uh, know I'm pretty I'm so rusty if you go to Tracy Newman uh, Johnny Carson show uh, on YouTube you'll find it and if you go to my website and go to fun stuff again uh, you'll see me on the panel with Johnny Carson, and that's pretty cool. Which I watched this morning. I, I, so I cool. had seen it before. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's so cool because, to see him. Because he's in awe of you. It's like, what's going on well, here? Well, because Johnny I mean, like, always loved magic. He loved magic. That was huge. And you were really good. He And the flourishes. And he did a little bit, which was mm -hmm. really fun. But he couldn't do it as well as you, which was really... Uh, it was he was very humbled by you. He was but and at the time I was everything I did was beautiful See that this is the when you um, do let's this make sure that you can see it when you do we, something like this If sorry when you do it the cards are supposed to be equidistant Really literally exactly perfect um, and and that's what I can't I because I haven't done it in years uh, on a regular basis, I mean I was doing hand modeling for people in card games and things, women and men actually, at that time. And, uh, and, and who were you a double for that got you on the Johnny Carson show? Diane Cannon. Okay, and what was she doing it in? It was a, a, a sketch on paper, the Paper Moon, paper moon movie. Oh. Remember, she uh -huh. was playing Tatum O'Neill, and she was doing Tatum O'Neill in a card game. Mm -hmm. And it was very cool because what they did was they, they stopped uh, tape. It was live. Uh -huh. I mean, it was shot live. Okay. It wasn't shown live. Right. And so it was like the first time I had to perform, you know, uh, some sort of card routine in front of a live audience. And so they brought, I had Diane Cannon's shirt on. They brought me out. I did my stuff at the card, card table. And then I, I, I waved to the audience when I was done and I left and I got applause. Mm -hmm. And then they speeded it up. And it looked like she was doing it. And I've never seen it. Wow. And I don't even, I've tried to find it and I haven't been, I probably saw it back then once. Right, right, but right. I didn't Paper think Paper Moon to, is not something to, you can easily find? Well, no, it was a sketch. Oh. On the Bob Hope show. I'm sorry, I didn't say that. The I was Bob like, Hope, I was I'm like, sorry. wait a minute. Diane Cannon was in no, no, no. Paper Moon? I'm sorry, I'm being <laughs> so confusing. Trying, I was trying to remember I Diane Cannon. I left out the most important it was a sketch on the Bob Hope, one of the Bob Hope specials. Okay. And Johnny Carson heard that there was a woman handling cards, and he came over to the set to the uh, to watch. Wow. And he had his makeup bib on. And Did everything. you know that at the time? Yeah. Oh. And I met him. And then wh the way I got on his show, though, was I wrote a sketch for me and Ricky J. Don't and hear it was that. it was the first time I wrote anything. 
like that. You know, I had written some songs by then, but not this kind of thing. Okay. I wrote a sketch for me and Ricky Jay to do. On and, the Tonight Show? Yeah. Because uh -huh. he had been on the Tonight Show a number mm -hmm. of times. So, and Johnny knew him. So I went, when I went to actually shoot the Bob Hope show, mm -hmm. he came, Bob Hope, um, Johnny met me at a rehearsal. Okay. He came, when I went to shoot the show, I took the sketch with me and I was walking down to the Carson studio and this golf cart was coming towards me and it was Johnny Carson. Okay. And I jumped in front of it. Now think about that, everybody. <laughs> You'd be shot today if you did something like that. So that's the difference in the time. This was 1974 and he swerved to avoid hitting me and he stopped. And I handed in the sketch and I said, remember me, Tracy Newman, the card for, and he said, okay, sure. And I got a call two weeks later from the head <gasps> writer, Hank Bradford, head writer of The Tonight Show. And he said, we've rewritten the sketch for you and Johnny, which did not make Ricky very happy. But Ricky prepared me for it. He helped me get ready for that. Wait a minute, so that was the thing that you did with Johnny at the desk? There was this, you, did you see the sketch? Yeah, I mean, I saw that a long time ago. Yeah. Today I just watched the thing yeah. at the desk. Yes. Yeah, so it was just to do to come out of the audience as a shill. Right. You know, and, uh, and, and uh, sort of do a one-upsman thing on Johnny. And, uh, and then Johnny was enjoying it so much, he asked me, to, they said, go behind the curtain. If he wants to talk to you, he'll call you out. And he called me And you don't know that until No, you then. just stand back there. And he called me out. I was totally comfortable. You seem totally comfortable. I don't know why I, uh -huh. I never was nervous, not even doing my... I was going to say, were you nervous when he picked you out of the audience? No. no. Wow. And I, I, to this day, I, I don't know why that is, because I, I do get nervous mm -hmm. for things. I wasn't nervous for that. Wow. Um, I don't know why. Was it Johnny? Was he... Did well, he... he made me so comfortable. That's so great. Yeah. And, he was, and he was such a fan. For, of he yours. was such a fan. Maybe yeah. that's it. I knew, and maybe because I knew I had the cards. Mm. <laughs> you know, I had I had the goods. I think that's what it was. At least to the to the extent that I had the goods. You know. Can you I mean? do all right? So I so you so you did a flourish. Can can you do anything for I us? Mean, I, I don't want to put you on the spot because I know no, you really I mean, have to practice. You were telling I can Johnny, show you this. I okay. can't show the camera. You, you, were, you were telling... See, see stuff like that? Oh, yeah, that's really cool. I wish they could so see it. So that's like every other card, literally. I've divided the deck in half. I, I did every other card like that. This is going to be so messy. Oh, God. So now, but you were saying, <sighs> you were saying that you were practicing about I'm six sorry, hours everybody. a day. That's all right. Oh, that's, that's still pretty You good. can imagine how beautiful it is if I'm really in my stride. But she was real... Uh, Tracy was really in her stride. If you, if you look at the video, I mean... What she's doing, it, it, it blew Johnny Carson's mind. That'll tell you everything you need to know. It was really fun. Wow, that's incredible. Okay, so, so see, you're getting all this love for that. People oh, like that. Thank you. See, thank there, you. you have appreciative uh, people. So, so, I'm trying to figure out how the career is going. So, you're a teacher. So then, yeah. Now then you're I, with Ricky J. Now you're starting to do the. Well, the, sometime around the time I was with Ricky J., I saw this thing that there was going to be a class that this guy, Gary Austin, from the committee mm -hmm. was teaching at the, at the Cellar Theater on mm -hmm. Vermont. And I went. It was an improv class. I had seen improv in New York at the improv, the actual improv. Right. And I went. And How old was, are you now? Uh, 29, 30. And is Lorraine, Lorraine's like a kid, but she's... Lorraine was nine years younger, 21 or whatever, and she was in Paris at the time. 
Oh, so she didn't she go with you to the class? No, she, mm -hmm. no, I dragged her to the class. After I saw what it was like, I thought okay. she would love this. I okay. didn't know how good Lorraine was going to be. Okay. You know, and uh, yeah, I mean, I went there and it was like Tim Matheson was there oh, wow. and uh, Pat Morita and Jack mm -hmm. Sue for some reason mm -hmm. and uh, Craig T. Nelson. Wow. I mean, it was a great group mm -hmm. and Archie Hahn and Valerie Curtin who, you know, they were the best two people in the class. And um, a couple of other great people, Steve Bluestein, you know Steve Bluestein? I do. He was there, and uh, Ginny Martinez, who was a great comic back then. Mm -hmm. And um, they were all in that class, and I dragged Lorraine there, and the first time she was there, I sat there, and I'm watching her, and I'm thinking, my sister is a fucking genius. Wow. I mean, you know what, she she got this, uh, they're called adjustments, you know, mm -hmm. you do this, do that, and you get, they'll adjust you, and and it was, I said, he said, Gary said to the group, mm -hmm. uh, well, give Lorraine an adjustment, and I said, fainting spells, and uh, you know how skinny Lorraine was, it was like mm -hmm. 90 pounds, right, and she proceeded to do a scene with somebody where she fainted every few moments, like a necrophiliac mm -hmm. kind of thing, and but she would do this, because I know Lorraine, she doesn't want to get hurt. So when she would fall to faint, I don't know if you can do this. <laughs> Am I still on in camera? Yes. I'm gonna go down. <laughs> she would go like this, she'd go. And go down. <laughs> and touch the floor. And touch the floor carefully and carefully, slowly. Never speeding up, so slowly go down to the floor and the audience, the group, I say audience, but it was us, we were laughing so hard every time she did it, or she would she would sit in the chair and just faint like this. And her head was so limber, it would go, it would be like a headless body, totally. She had a different way of fainting every single time and it was, it was just masterful and I was so aware of that and I started teaching there. Now I saw that you, and I you, thought, how did you come to start teaching? I don't know. I looked at that and I thought, she has no fear. Mm -hmm. I'm terrified. Mm -hmm. There's a couple people here who have no fear. Mm -hmm. I think I know how to get somebody who's like me to do that. Wow. That was sort of the way I felt. And I drifted, I still was performing. I was mm -hmm. in the show for years. Mm -hmm. But I drifted into teaching because mm -hmm. I, I did private lessons there because I would work with somebody to get them. So that they were so, you know, when you do cars like this, you perfect it. And when it's perfect, or you think it's perfect, mm -hmm. or maybe it is, uh, you don't think about it anymore. Just like Peter plays the guitar, you know, you, if you've got the goods on stage, you're certainly not worried about that. You mm -hmm. might be worried about something else, but you're not worried about the mechanical stuff. Mm -hmm. And there's something about, you learn the rules of improv and you kind of learn certain things about what to do, mm -hmm. and uh, you can learn certain things. You don't learn what Lorraine does, mm -hmm. or some of the, I mean, Melissa McCarthy, mm -hmm. it's just, it's a know, gift. Mm -hmm. Or Paul Rubens, mm -hmm. you know, I mm -hmm. mean, but, um, but there is a lot to learn, and just practice, you know, mm -hmm. just being out there, you know. So how did, the ground, how did the Groundlings start? Um, there was uh, that class. We just named ourselves and started doing shows, and, uh, and then we moved. And who was in that original class? That original group of the Groundlings? Well, I named some of them. Yep. But, but when we were at the Oxford Theater, which mm -hmm. is when we were really, before we built the, the theater we're in now, or mm -hmm. that they're in now, 
Uh, it was people like, uh, well, Phil Hartman was there, Sandy Helberg. Uh, Hi, Sandy. Not Lynn Stewart yet, mm -hmm. but Archie Hahn. Um, Liberty Williams, Louise Williams, who you can hear Michael Eisner uh, on a clip talking about her. Oh, wow. That's kind of an mm -hmm. interesting thing. She was great. Lorraine, Gloria Vassi, Phil Phyllis Katz, mm -hmm. Bill Steinkellner. Who else? What am I forgetting? Well, I'm talking about the Oxford. Steve White. So now when you start out, what does it take for you guys to get an audio? Like, how, well, does, it, how does it grow? You know, you've been doing this a long time. You mm -hmm. know exactly what I'm about to say. Mm -hmm. We started out at the Oxford Theater, which was a 60-seat theater. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there were three people in the audience mm -hmm. and 25 people on stage. <laughs> So we, were, we would always win in hand-to-hand -hand combat uh, if it came to that. Uh -huh. And then finally we got to the point where we were selling out. And but that was after maybe a year and a half. Uh -huh. And, you know, selling out a 60-seat theater. Right. So we thought we need a bigger place. So we played a lot of places around town, and then we thought we need our own theater. And my mother had just built the Westwood Playhouse. Uh-huh. She, she, and I went to her and I said, Will you put up the money for us to, if we find a spot to build this, you know, something mm -hmm. inside of a spot? Don't have to buy the property, just, right. you know, convert a spot. Because mm -hmm. she was so good at that. Mm -hmm. So she put up the money mm -hmm. uh, for the Grand Link Theater. Good and uh, and oh. Archie, who built it by hand with a couple of other guys, uh -huh. my brother, my older brother being one of them, um, he put up, he matched her money because he uh -huh. was working all the time. Uh -huh. Liberty and Archie were working all the time. Uh -huh. And in fact, when, when Lauren Michaels came there and they plucked Lorraine, they offered uh, Saturday Night Live. It's my understanding that they, now how formal the offer was, I don't know. But Archie and Liberty and uh, maybe even Sandy Helberg and mm -hmm. Jim Lashley who was there, uh, they, were, they were very interested in more than one person. Okay, so now how 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 old is um, we're just having kitchen noises and all kinds of things. That's the coffee now machine. we're making coffee. <laughs> the coffee machine's going off. Actually, we weren't so stupid to make coffee right now. Okay, so so what? Um, how did how did it happen that Lorraine got the what happened? Uh, Lorraine had once we were doing a show regularly. Lorraine had so many monologues that between every scene there was Lorraine and doing a monologue, mm -hmm. and she was brilliant. Mm -hmm. So uh, Lily Tomlin, who I knew from the 60s, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm not sure that I was the connection. Uh, some people would say, you, what are you even talking about that for? But there is a little something in me that thinks I might have told her to come there, but possibly not. I okay. don't know. Uh, but somebody, somebody takes credit for that, and that's fine with me. So she, she was going to do a special, and she brought Lauren with her. And they watched the show, and they were interested in, they took six or seven people to do her special. Okay. And, and Lorraine you can was see, one. Yeah, and you can mm -hmm. see Lorraine in that, uh, one mm -hmm. of the scenes from that special, mm -hmm. the sorority scene, which is where you see the Valley Girl, but they're all doing it. <laughs> and the one, Valerie Bromfield is kind of where they all got it, and mm -hmm. she's in the sketch, too, doing it. Mm -hmm. And Lily, uh, they all have their own take on it, but it's uh -huh. so good. Uh-huh. And, uh... So they 
they made an offer to you know some of the people and uh, and Lorraine took it. Lorraine Lorraine had nothing going on at the time. Mm -hmm. You know, if uh, if she had been making the kind of money that Archie and Liberty were making, they probably she probably wouldn't have gone either. Because all you're you're moving to New York to do a pilot. Right. Think about it. You know. Yeah. A late night Saturday night. You know. Never been done before this kind of thing, right. at least not since the 50s, mm -hmm. a live show. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not even sure they knew everything of what they, what they were going to do. You didn't know the other people. Mm -hmm. All you knew was Lauren and a promise. I don't know. Yeah. Was Lorraine scared? Yeah. Mm -hmm. and she, were you she, scared for her? Yeah, and she, mm -hmm. she drove there with her boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And when she got there, she parked on the street, right, with her costumes and everything in the car, and they were gone. Oh! All of her costumes. <laughs> God knows what they're doing with them or what they were going to do with those. So, okay, so Lorraine goes off to New York and she becomes... Lorraine. A star. Yeah. I mean, Saturday Night Live could not have been bigger. No. What What are you doing at that time? Just in the Groundlings. You're keep, in the Groundlings. Keep it going. Okay. And you then, know, it was really Gary and Tom Maxwell and myself who were, were the ones who were coming up with the you know, show orders and running the classes and, um, you know, just Tom Maxwell's really the person, I mean, that place wouldn't exist without, without mm -hmm. Gary, of course, but mm -hmm. also Tom Maxwell was the person who showed up, he didn't get drunk every night like a lot of us did, mm -hmm. sometimes. <laughs> so he would be there at nine o'clock in the morning to open the doors. Mm -hmm. And to you know, to make sure it was a going concern. Right. He ran. He really did run things. Mm -hmm. And so, how did you segue from the Groundlings? So you're right. So I was so at the, the Groundlings for you, 15 years. Are you writing sketches there? Yeah. You, well, you know what I ended up doing because I was teaching a lot. Is I was rewriting a lot of endings and write, rewriting a lot of sketches. Did you and did you I, have I did training as a comedy writer? No, no. But I did learn there. It was like going to college. Okay. I, I learned like what worked, you know. And, and uh, who you wanted in the sketch and stuff like How that. How did you learn structure for 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 TV? Yeah, by what you know, I, I didn't start writing for television until nineteen. My daughter was born in nineteen eighty two. Uh, she was about six. What is that? I started watching Cheers and other shows religiously. With that intention. I don't know. No. No, I just was just, like that time. I, she'd go to bed, and then I just would watch the two or three sitcoms every night for a long time, like two years. Well, and then John Stark. I ran. We were looping a show, and uh, he said, uh, "Hey, uh, the Steinkellners are running Cheers now, and they asked me to write a spec script. Mm -hmm. Would you write one with me?" And I said, I, "I don't really know how to do that, but sure, I'll give it a try." He didn't know how to type, so. <laughs> So we needed you. <laughs> well, you know, he can do that. And yeah. uh, so the minute we started writing our first spec script, I kind of knew we would have a career. Really? Well, because he made me laugh so hard. Mm -hmm. And I thought, if he's making me laugh this hard, can't he make like a quarter of the people laugh? Okay, okay so now what, what, what was the secret of that partnership? So how, how did your partnership work? Did you, did you write together? Yeah. Okay, and but I was at the computer, and I kind of understood structure, but I don't know, I think just from watching all mm -hmm. those shows. And uh, uh, so I was more like a story person. I'd pitch a joke now and then, but it was mostly, or sometimes I'd write a whole scene and put the jokes in, and then as we'd get, we'd redo a rewrite, he would replace almost all of them. Because <laughs> he was just way funnier, mm -hmm. you know. And to get hired on Cheers, 
Wow. Um, you know, we didn't know the executive producers. They were groundlings. Mm-hmm. Uh, to get hired on that at 46 years old, my partner was a man, mm-hmm. 10 years younger. Mm-hmm. I fulfilled their sex quota and their age quota. Ah, were you the only woman on staff? No, there was another one, a young woman, mm-hmm. that was brought on by the you know the young guys. I'm Dan O'Shannon, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. I think I'm not sure. So, uh, so. Um, so anyway, that was the beginning of our career, our writing career, and, and really, you you can fail upwards for a long time. What does that mean? I mean, you don't have to be that good. Now, Wait, I think that John and I, I think that John and I were good, mm-hmm. but I I came across a lot of people that started on a really good show because they knew somebody. And then they would move to another show, and they would be not so good, but they were fun. Mm-hmm. Which is a really important thing for all mm-hmm. of you would-be writers out there. If you're fun in the room, and you're easy to be around, mm-hmm. and you're a decent writer, mm-hmm. you might be able to get a job, because there's a lot of really funny people out there that aren't working in television, because nobody can be around them for more wow. than an hour. Wow. You know, they don't so, know when to turn it off, or they don't know when to turn it on. Mm-hmm. You know. So when you're in the writer's room on a show like Cheers and you guys write a script, is it going back into the writer's room and everybody's changing it? Yes. Yeah. So how much is your stuff getting changed? A lot? Entirely. Entirely. And not the story, though. Right, but the script. But I have to say that uh, the first time that we were on the stage and our first one was being shown mm-hmm. or being shot and we were introduced as the writers and the audience applauded us, I remember thinking... There's really something wrong with this, because there's not a word <laughs> of ours in there. <laughs> and oh. that's the way television works, though. It, uh-huh. you come, what comes around goes around. I mean, eventually, if you get good enough, mm-hmm. you're replacing somebody else's words uh, all the time. And you got into that position. Yeah, we did. We, we, we created According to Jim in mm-hmm. uh, 2001. Uh, okay, so what happens if, so you, you guys are on Cheers for how long? Uh, just one season. One season. The tenth season, and then we moved with the Steinkellners and Fief Sutton. We moved to Bob, which was a, Bob uh, the last show Bob Newhart did. Mm-hmm. He was a cartoonist, mm-hmm. and uh, it was at CBS, and they uh, how was ran it for like two seasons. Bob New, I mean, he was brilliant. He, what a genius! Oh yeah, yeah. He, you know what? I I I saw him. I was at something, a little event for him at uh, Factors mm-hmm. Deli, mm-hmm. maybe a year ago, and he. He just said, hi, Tracy. And I thought, that's just unbelievable. I mean, I, I didn't really know him. Mm-hmm. But he would come up to me from the stage during the show. Sometimes I was the one he came up to. Sometimes he'd go up to another writer uh-huh. and say, instead of this, can I say this? And of course it was better. <laughs> and it was coming from him, uh-huh. right? And, uh, you, you know, rewriting jokes on the stage at the Bob Newhart thing, or for Bob Newhart, just he, he had the fixes. Wow. Or, or if you were working on a fix, he would come over to the group and he would join and he would come up with the fix. Wow. So, you know. Okay, so how long, so you were on Bob Newhart for one season also? Once, uh, no, two seasons. Two seasons. And then like what? a season and a half. Mm-hmm. After that, I think our next thing was The Nanny. Okay. Which was, whoa, whoa. It was. How? It was uh, late, late, late nights. I loved the staff. Mm-hmm. Um, but working on that show was really hard. I'm Jewish, 
you really have to be Jewish to be there. Or gay. Or a gay man, I should say. No, or gay. Okay. Uh, my partner is not Jewish. Uh-huh. And he's not gay. Uh-huh. And he would cry walking to the car. Oh. He, he, they didn't understand his jokes. Oh. I think it was one of the first times that ever happened to him where they didn't really laugh his jokes. I did. Wow. Because <laughs> uh, to me, funny's funny, you know. Right. I, but it was not the right tone. He was not happy there. And we were consultants, as I recall. Mm -hmm. I think. I don't remember if we were there more than two days a week. We might have been there five days a week. I don't mm -hmm. remember. And then also, Fran would come waltzing in with her dog at mm -hmm. ten in the ten at night. Mm -hmm. You know, well, let's see what you got. You know, and just nah, I don't think I'd say that and stuff. And you knew you were <laughs> going to be there till two, three in the morning. Ooh. It's just a very tough hours. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. She was very funny and mm -hmm. a sweetheart, mm -hmm. but you know, it's that a hard was, job. That was a hard job. Yeah. Okay. And, and then a show called Hardball that starred Bruce mm -hmm. Greenwood, a comedy. Mm -hmm. Bruce Greenwood is the star. And Dan Florek, and what's her name, who married a congressman or a senator? I don't know. I can't think of her name. Mm -hmm. So funny. I mm -hmm. loved her. Uh, I'm forgetting some big people. Let's oh, look up her. Rosemary. Oh, my God. Oh, we're blurry. Hardball. Hardball, I'm looking. Anyway, it was m kind of mismanaged. I mean... Uh, Jeff Martin, who I love, was one of the he he was one of the showrunners, and he really wanted to do a sitcom about baseball, mm -hmm. but the studio and the network just wouldn't leave it alone. You know, Alexandra just, Wentworth. Yes, oh, she's fabulous. She's so great. Yeah, she's, she's so fabulous. adorable. Uh -huh. Who else? Oh, Mike Starr is uh -huh. very funny. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we were kind of unhappy there too. Mm, okay. Um, and then, huh, might have been, might have, we might have interviewed for a couple jobs, but ended up at Ellen then. I don't know what the year is now. Mm -hmm. I might be missing, forgetting something. But mm -hmm. yeah, uh, Ellen had been these friends of mine, and the, right. and uh, the creators were leaving, and new people were coming in, and it was maybe the sixth episode, and so we got hired. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were there, as I said. Four seasons, and then after the coming out episode, we went to uh, Hiller and Diller, which was one of my most favorite experiences. Really, That's not the right way to say that is it? my favorite. Who? It who? was a. It was a uh, uh, imagine. You know uh, what's his name? Brian Brazier. Right. Uh huh. Brian Brazier thing. Uh huh. And it was written by Lowell Gans and Babalu Mandel. Oh. Who. And I had known Lowell, mm -hmm. like really, in, like in the 60s or 70s, in the 70s I believe. Uh -huh. And I just thought he was a genius. Mm -hmm. So I was so thrilled because we interviewed to run the show, to be the executive producers, and they chose us. Nice. Because of this. Yeah. Really, you mm -hmm. know. And uh, this show starred Richard Lewis and Kevin Nealon mm -hmm. and Eugene Levy. Wow. And a kid named Kyle Subihi and a couple of other great kids. Mm -hmm. And, uh, oh my God, I'm really leaving out some good people. And it was, 
so much, it was two comedy writers. Mm. And so John and I could really relate. Mm. And it was really Lowell Gans and Babalu Mendel. Mm -hmm. They both had families, one was Jewish, and, and Richard Lewis was impossible and so adorable. And so, <laughs> what a sweetheart. Mm -hmm. And I would get these long faxes at three in the morning and I'd just a cut fax. to the end of it. We know this is a long time ago. And the end of it would just be, so can I just change this word? It would be like, mm, yeah, duh. You know, and so um, we ran, that was our first experience running, uh -huh. running a show and really fun and it didn't succeed. Mm. And then we had been writing pilot after pilot after pilot. Anyway, we wrote about eight pilots mm -hmm. for ABC. We wrote one for Caroline Ray, Brian Regan. Oh, wow. Um, Love them both. And I know there's other, Tim Bagley. Mm -hmm. um, Mike, uh, what's his Forte, Will Forte. We so were, it's we not were, all success, success, success. No, success. And our eighth mm -hmm. pilot was uh, according to Jim. And so, which has there's a whole story. That's a whole other hour. But anyway, well, give <laughs> so us that, give we us the, the cliff notes. Well, of that. I mean, really, when I say we we wrote according, we we didn't have Jim Belushi and write according to Jim. Mm -hmm. We were told ABC needed a family show to follow another family show, and they came to us with that. Okay. Yeah. So you didn't write it with Jim Belushi in mind? No. no. In fact, I think Tom Selleck was the first idea. Wow. Now, Selleck. those two people could not be wow. less alike. That's kind of crazy right and there. And really, even with with uh, Belushi, uh, people didn't think that it would work. But my feeling, we watched a movie that he was in, and I can't remember the name of it right now. But he was terrific. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, he kind of has a bad rap mm -hmm. for trading on John's name. Mm -hmm. But he really is great in his own right and deserve, and always did deserve to be noticed anyway. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's it only matters if they don't have talent. Right. If you're talented like that, who gives a shit? Mm -hmm. So he was, he was just, you know, the minute we heard that it was, the minute we decided, yes, let's do that, we met with him. And uh, it was a great fit. Mm -hmm. And he was uh, terrific. And so, and and so, what happened? So you did according to Jim. You didn't stay for no, the whole. No, but run. I waited till we sold into syndication. Okay, which nice. Means, uh, you know, they usually buy. That means the house. <laughs> Actually, I this house was built in 1989. Though we okay. built it in mm -hmm. 1989, so it's before television. But anyway, okay. <laughs> uh, my husband was doing commercials and making good money. And uh, but definitely, the syndication is the change of yes. Yes. The future. I was able to buy the house outright. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when you left According to Jim, what happened? I to left that? According to Jim to be a singer-songwriter again, which, and I was 62. And if you think this about that, so I was going to uh, little clubs and singing for 10 people and a dog. Okay, so now what, what year is this that you make this decision uh, to leave like TV? 2003. So now because According to Jim went into syndication, you knew that... Financially, you were going to be okay. You know, it looked like it was going to last. I didn't realize it would go for eight seasons. Mm -hmm. Yay. Yay! And it was just bought by something called Access TV or Laugh TV or something mm -hmm. like that. Uh, so that means, you know, mm -hmm. more coming. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's the gift that keeps giving. And, uh, you know, I'm actually proud of the show. I know a lot of people made fun of it. But with the pilot, which, we, which John and I wrote, I loved that pilot. I just thought it was just great. I have to go back and watch it. Is yeah, it, is it's, it, is it's it really fun. Findable? 
Yeah, I'm sure yeah. it's findable. Everything's findable. I have the, you know, the DVDs. Oh, the, cool. The, the, well, well, I don't, I don't even know how to work my DVD player yeah, anymore. I Those well, days I actually, are, I do. I kind, I might know how to do it. Um, so, okay, so that's a pretty ballsy decision. So, it what happened to Jonathan? Well, when John you stayed. Okay. And it was okay. We had been we, before we sold uh, a pilot, mm -hmm. uh, but sort of before we sold a show, we I had told him I wanted to leave, and we, we were fine about it. Mm -hmm. We had worked. We had been together sixteen years, mm -hmm. and uh, it was a difficult. It was fun a lot of the time, but it was a difficult partnership too. I mm -hmm. think all partnerships are. Mm -hmm. So I was ready to to leave. And uh, he was fine without me. He could write a script without me. And um, could he type? By then he could. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he did this. Yeah. But could do this faster. Yeah. <laughs> and also he could use an assistant mm -hmm. too. Is he still writing television? Uh, he's still writing television. I don't know what he's on right now, but he still writes. <clears throat> and um, so uh, I asked my. This is what I said to my uh, agent. Mm -hmm. Oh, who must have loved your decision. Right. <laughs> Chris Silverman was my agent, by the way. He's now the president of ICM. Wow. I know. Such a, he looks like Tom Cruise to me. He's so mm -hmm. cute. Anyway, uh, I'm sorry, Julia, his wife. <laughs> well, no, that's actually a nice thing I said about him. So uh, I said, get me the kind of deal that you would get your mother, because if you don't get her a good deal, you're going to have to support her. Oh, I like that. So he he laughed and he said, okay. So he made me a consultant for a couple of years on the show and I didn't have to go in. Mm -hmm. And uh, mainly he just got me a good deal. Mm -hmm. And I already had back end right. you know, points. And stuff. Right, right. So so you move into going back to being a singer-songwriter, which you had yeah, been. Yeah, and I, what I did was I, I went to Harriet's class right away. Okay, so we're talking about Harriet Shock. And I started writing songs like a mad woman and uh, went to Nashville and took a couple of songwriting things and, and uh, just really started, you know, in 2007 I did this, I, I produced this album and uh, I got put a band together that happened so organically, Pete understands what I'm saying, I mean really I was singing alone on stage at a place and two people from opposite ends started harmonizing with, I was singing Lorraine. And they started harmonizing with Lorraine, and I said, hey, come on up here. And it was gold. Wow. And I said, hey, you know, let's form a, you know. So it was Tracy Newman and the reinforcements. Hey, exactly well, um, I have to ask you something, because someone got on the thread earlier today and said, you know, Tracy was also an original New Christie Minstrel. And I said, wait a minute. I said, Chris, Tracy's introduced me to Art Podell, and I know he was. And I said, I don't know that about Tracy. She's never said it to me. And I went back and looked at the wiki page, and your name isn't there. No. But tell that story. Well, here's the why it's not in the wiki page is I okay. wasn't hired by Randy Sparks, who was the leader of the group. I was hired by Greif Garris, who were the managers, okay. to replace somebody. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that I was a temporary replacement. Okay. You know, so I was like 21 and thinking this is this is the best group I've ever seen in my life. Right. I had seen them a lot. How many of you were there at a time? Ten. Always ten. ten. Uh -huh. Two women and, and eight men. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had seen them and I just I couldn't believe and I was a Randy Sparks fan. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he had been recording alone before that, so mm -hmm. I was a huge Randy Sparks fan. Mm -hmm. So they had they needed somebody to come in and do two Vic Damone shows with them. So mm -hmm. I came in and did that with them. 
And uh, I never did a live show and I never recorded, but I, re I rehearsed with them and I did that. And Martin Guitars does a, they did a series of guitars and I'm number 21, my guitar. <laughs> And there, so so they recognized me as a member, and so did I was a member. Uh huh. But I wasn't, you know, Randy. I even though I did work with him a little bit, mm -hmm. I, I feel I guess because he never, it wasn't his choice, mm -hmm. you know. And his his wife was the other, his ex-wife at the mm -hmm. time, and still <laughs> was. Uh, or it might have been she might have been his wife at the time, but anyway, Jackie Sparks. Yeah, Jackie Sparks was the other girl singer and she was blonde and she was in uh, same vocal range mm. and when they replaced me it was with someone with a real singer i mean with a range and everything mm -hmm. so they did they, they were going to do the andy williams show and they needed a couple people who could read and they you know it was like mm -hmm. it was too much for me so and i was way younger not way younger but like five years younger than everybody mm. my parents got involved you know mm. i was like 18 or 19. Oh, yeah. uh -huh. so now Coming back to full circle to nap to to this mm -hmm. this latest decision. Haven't we gone past an hour? It's like so. 10, yeah, we, yeah. It it's matter. like it's ten o'clock at night. No, oh. because we had an earlier show. We always go an hour. We always go about oh, an hour okay. and okay. and stuff. Okay. But we we also had an earlier show that was like fifteen minutes that is fakakta now. So we're gonna I'm gonna get rid of that later. Would you like a question? Sure. I didn't write. This yeah, question. yeah. Oh, is there a uh, question? Yes. Uh, Tracy, if you were given a go to write a show for any cast you wanted to today, who would that be and what would the story be? Well, it's that's too much for me to answer right now, but I would say that I would love to work with Melissa McCarthy. Mm. Uh, I think, I mean, having seen Melissa McCarthy at the Groundlings, I see a, a much more in her than what the public sees. You know, like what? Like very, what would you do with she her? She has very subtle, she does very subtle work. Well. You know, what's the new one she just did yeah. when she was nominated? Mm -hmm. Is uh, great. I'm sorry. But what's it called? Could you ever forgive me? Could you, yeah. could you ever, could you ever you. forgive me? Liza, thank you, Liza. Well, the thing is, like, Melissa McCarthy has quiet comedy things that she does that I would be wonderful to explore, mm -hmm. and I don't know what the show would be or what the movie or whatever it would be. That's one person. Um, I haven't thought about this for Does it a call while. to you? Does it ever call to you to to jump back in? Um, when I go to the Groundling show now, there's some there's terrific people. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would never have gotten in if the level was the what it is now. It's just brilliant. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, there's a couple people in there that I think eh, it'd be fun to write a show for those two, you know. But I don't know. I mean, I I my typing. I make a lot of mistakes now. I mean, it was like as soon as I quit writing television, I started making more a million typos because mm -hmm. I didn't have to do it. I think mm -hmm. that's part of it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry that I can't. But that wouldn't that, that wouldn't stop you. I mean, no, it wouldn't. there's I would, delete I would have and an assistant. Too. Yeah, yeah, and you have an assistant. Um, I'm enjoying writing blogs every occasionally. Other people's, you know, adding to other people's blogs. I don't want to work that hard. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of, it's really hard work, television, I mm -hmm. think. Yeah. So, so you started your own thing, you added the, uh, you added a band, now you, you've done away with the band again, and now you're Tracy Newman again, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're not playing with Well, I'm band. doing children's. Okay, so tell us what you're doing now. So I have a company called Run Along Home, and my first CD was this, my daughter did the artwork. I bought a few of them. the best place? Gave them. Is, is that, that good? Yep, that that's good. good. Okay. My we, daughter I, did the artwork. Love it. There's a picture of my daughter and me. Mm -hmm. 
And most of these are songs I wrote. It's called I Can Swing Forever. And uh, Edward Auslander, who's from France, mm -hmm. is my producer, and I'm really enjoying it. He's just brilliant. Mm -hmm. And this is my second one. It's called Shoebox Town. And I my heard company. That one yet. Okay. I know, I don't think so. Yeah. My company's called Run Along Home, and this is the logo up here Raw, Run Along mm -hmm. Home. And Charlotte did the artwork again, my daughter. And my third one is about to be released in about a month or two. I'm almost done. I'm actually done, but I have to do the, get the artwork. Now, did this all, what started you on doing the children's stuff? Well, uh, I, partly what happened was, I, I don't know, I started writing kids' songs, and I started thinking, I have enough kids' songs to to. But wait, already. what started you writing kids' songs? I've been writing them all my life. All your Because life. I always sang to children. And okay. I did children's, I just did stuff for children all, all along. When, okay. I, when I was teaching nursery school, I would sing to them and make mm -hmm. stuff up, you know. Right. And so I wrote some children's songs, and um, I had enough to do a CD, and half of it would be stuff I sang to Charlotte when she was going to bed at night, when she was little. And I thought, why don't I do this? You want to you know? sing us a little something that you would um, sing to Charlotte? Yeah, one of the bedtime. Th well, this yeah. my company's called Run Along Home, and mm -hmm. I didn't write this song, but it is. I think. Well, no, do one that you wrote. Um, do one that you wrote. Did you ever once feel like I feel loose and easy and free, like sloppy shoes, like really good news? Did you ever once feel like me? Did you ever once feel like I feel? Up and open and bare, like a bunch of like anything goes. Did you ever once feel so fair? Might be the one I'm loving, makes me feel this way. Might be the one I'm loving, makes me wanna say. Climbing over the moon above. You know, I don't usually. <laughs> I don't usually play the, the sleepy ones because um, you know I end up with schools singing these. Right. Because I don't want to put them to sleep. So so you've got you've got like a classic folk singer voice, doesn't she? Right. It's like such a classic folk singer yeah. voice. It's not something that we hear yeah. very much anymore. It's it's it, it really like. Pulled me back to the 60s myself. I loved it. Um, so, Tracy, so if you had your, if, if, have you lived all your dreams? Is there anything that you'd still love to do that you haven't done yet? Because you've done a lot. Yeah, yeah, I haven't thought about that. I, I would like to get this company so that it, uh, so that these are out there. Because even though people, I, I, I sell them, but I don't sell them on the, I have a distributor and everything. I don't mm -hmm. sell them on the scale that I, I feel they deserve. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, How does something like that happen? Well, you know, I've started like, a company and I've mm -hmm. hired some people to run it and mm -hmm. we're trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know. Yeah. Do I, you? I, I, now, these days, I think it's really hard Music to sell. Music is really hard. It's really and hard CDs. to sell product. Yeah. yeah, it's impossible because 
everything is accessible on YouTube and on, on every other streaming source. Mm -hmm. So, and you can get it all for free. Yeah. So it's so hard. I, I don't really, but you know, if I wanted to be remembered for something, is it going to be according to Jim? Wouldn't I much rather be remembered for this? I don't know. You know that's what I mean? A, that's I, a good, that, that's, that's an interesting what, question. That's sort of how I feel. I, I don't know. Do. I think being remembered for this is pretty damn uh, First good. of all, who's going to remember anybody? Right? Wow. But, you know, just if you think of your legacy, I'd like it to be a series of children's records, I guess. To me, that's the most important audience now. Wow. You know? I mean, when, when, when I send my CD to a school ahead of time, mm -hmm. and then I walk in and they realize that you're the, the lady. person that they've been listening to every day at nap time or mm -hmm. whatever, uh -huh. quiet time, is this person, and I start singing, and they recognize not only my voice, but the song, and they know all the words. Oh. I might as well be Rafi. Mm -hmm. So, so, now does yeah. that, so is that what you do? You send them out to well, schools? Well, I'm starting. I'm that doing sounds it. like a really a good idea. Things, but yeah, uh -huh. and I did it. I used to do it when Charlotte was in school, too, mm -hmm. uh, but I hadn't, didn't have a CD then. I just would make a cassette and send yeah. it, and I'd do the same thing. You know, but now I'm really sort of doing it and getting good good photographs and good video of it so that I can do it more. Well, really okay, so it. I had asked you originally, you had said that you wanted to end the show with a children's song, and I was like, well, no, that's not really our audience. And mm. But, you know, now, I, now, I'm, now I'm, I, I'm, I drank the Kool-Aid and I'm, I'm well, here. Well, you know, so. I mean, the nice thing about ending with that is you can go out on anything because I'm going to sing Piccolo Mini, which is a nonsense song, and I didn't write it, so, you know. All right, so, so we're going to say we're going to say thank you to Pete George for, for being back there. And, yeah. and, and you can find Pete in Texas where? El Paso. El Paso. Comic strip. Comic strip. What date? Uh, tomorrow night, first show through Saturday. Six shows. Okay. Pete George is going to be in El Paso. So if you're in Texas, check him out because he's the rock and roll comedian and he's funny and he plays rock and roll. And uh, Tracy, thank you so much for thank doing you. this. Thank you. This was so much fun. Well, I'm so sorry too. for the about my Wi-Fi thing. Well, you know, look, we're getting all this love is coming up. People don't. It's because of the rain. Okay. <laughs> You're getting tons, tons of love. Tons of love. Like oh, I'm so reading good. these, I'm like, lots of love. Nice. Okay, this is Piccolo Mini. I'm gonna sing it once so you get it, and then sing it with me and sing it as fast as you can. Pete, that's you. Piccolo mini, 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 I was going to sing, but it was coming out as colonoscopy. <laughs> Thank you so much, Tracy. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us. Thanks for putting up with our, our internet glitch. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy you're here. And uh, next week, Rob Bonfiglio. Did you, were you at you're the house? Me. Were you at the house when Rob did Women Who Write? No. Okay, I am in Sorry, Carney Wilson, but I'm in love with your husband. I love him. And Rob is the uh, hey, musical director. Wait a minute, no, I was there. Okay, so I Rob is there. Rob Jeez. is the mu the musical director for Wilson Phillips, and he Thanks, is, and he also is uh, in uh, plays with Brian Wilson and uh, does the singing of the Beach Boys songs. Like he sings mm. all the. Anyway, he is incredible, and as talented as he is, he is even a more 
incredible human being. I, I am a huge fan. And so next week we'll be back with Ron Bonfiglio. Rob, I do that all the time. And he said people do that. It's Rob Bonfiglio. I think it's because of it's the, the sound. It's yeah, it's, it's the weird thing. You want to say Ron, but not Rob. Yeah, it's Rob Bonfiglio. Anyway, we'll see you next week. Thanks for being here. See you then. Thanks, Tracy. Thank you.